we come in peace. You are listening to Area 51 and a Half, the podcast where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, John Allen, also known as Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, is my co-host and producer... Snyderman 501, Nick Snyder. And our technical director, Ren. I want to be the techno wizard. <gasps> no, techno mage! Okay, settle down over there. Just do what it is you do, because I don't know what it is you do. Right, you don't pay me to talk. We don't pay you at all. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. Well, aliens, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Hive, and Clapper at the Area 51H. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a half. Another neat thing is, Nick, we have started on YouTube. Yeah, I am super excited for this. So our first project that we've started for YouTube is called Area 51 and a half Trailer Trash. <laughs> and the idea behind that is we react to and we review the newest trailers. So our first video is Scream 6. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I I was so excited to do it because I haven't done anything like that. And I rewatched it just to, um, you know, see how we looked. And because it's our first our first time doing it. Yeah. So we didn't really know how it was going to go. But as I was rewatching it, I picked up another thing from the trailer that I'm hoping they do not do, but I wouldn't put it past them to do it. Mm-hmm. Remember how in the in trailer trash I said how much I liked Gail Weathers as you know this uh, seminal co-final girl with Sydney yeah, and, yeah. and all that. But as I was watching the trailer, and as I was and I made the comment that sometimes they put too much in a trailer. I'm wondering if they're pulling a Drew Barrymore. Ooh. Oh yeah, because they did that with um with uh, Cotton Weary and Scream Scream Yeah, Day. yeah. Ooh boy, oh, I would no. not be okay with that. I would not be okay with that either. That would be a total rug pull. No, but that would also be like that complete like okay, they're all gone now, and we they have the option of bringing Sydney back, and it's all going to be this new crew because let's face it, they are not going to let this thing die like any other franchise. But yeah. I do not want them to do that. That would really make me check out. Honestly, same here. And that would be sad because that is a banger trailer right there. That, that trailer got me hyped for Scream 6 in a way that the trailer for Scream 5 just couldn't. Yeah, but I mean, you notice all those little details because it was the first time for us doing a trailer watch. I wasn't... I personally wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing or not doing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked my facial reaction because I was I was clearly into it. But then, you know, again, on that sort of second watch, yeah, I picked that up. Yeah. And I, I don't want them to do that at all. But we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, Nick, what other things have you been watching this week? Uh, this week I got a chance to watch, okay, I just sat down and breezed through that 90s show. I liked it. It's nothing groundbreaking. It follows the exact same formula as the, as that 70s show, but it's funny. It's not as, it's not as sappy and syrupy sweet as Fuller House was, Mm -hmm. which is great, but I enjoyed it. Good characters, lots of funny jokes. I love I love uh, Kurt Kurtwood Smith as Red Foreman. He kills me every time. Uh, I've been watching on Netflix the anime series Comey Can't Communicate. How's that? It's real. Uh, it's it's anime. I love it. Right. Yeah. So 
but the thing of it is with I've noticed a difference between anime movies and anime series. Mm-hmm. In anime series, they usually have some annoying screaming character. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why, and it's almost becoming the more anime I watch, the more I sit there and think there's a lot of formulaic stuff here. But the the center of it, of course, is Komi, who is struggles with um social um shyness. Like she she has trouble talking she gets very social social anxiety that's the word I'm, I'm looking for so she has trouble communicating but the funny thing is it's it's a bit of a comedy and it's a bit of a serious anime too but the funny thing about it is that she is mysterious to all of her classmates and they all worship her like a goddess mm-hmm. and no matter what she does it's just the best thing that she could possibly do because she's just so beautiful and so pretty and everybody and she's wants to make friends and she has a classmate who is helping her make friends and there's a nice little preteen or teenage early teen romance that is building and unspoken between the two of them and i just i'm living for that but some of the other characters are like oh god why <laughs> why can you just not scream but I mean, it's it's interesting too because this is such a rich part of the Asian culture, and particularly in this case, the Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. And so I it's I sometimes have to stop and look up certain things. For instance, I've noticed cats seem to be a theme in a lot of animes. Well, there's a reason for that, which I I should have written down. But I mean, it's it's all part of the whole mythos, and cats bring you luck, and they bring you. Um, there's all this sort of wonderful charm about a cat that once you know that you see how richly layered it all becomes. Yeah. So Comey communicates through um, writing down in her little notebook and uh, she takes chances on trying to speak and trying to communicate and it all unfolds at its own pace in a way that North American audiences uh, or North American products do not unfold. And that's what I like about watching foreign films and foreign series because it's different from what we do that sounds interesting yeah i i mean we noticed that with uh the movie that we watched we watched um that australian horror flick right the yeah, loved ones loved ones and it was a very different kind of pace yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing we've watched uh movies from several different cultures we've watched some russian films we've watched obviously the loved ones uh anime and it's interesting to see how different cultures move in their storytelling because it's very different to western storytelling in a lot of ways sometimes it's a little bit slower like i remember we watched night watch and that was a lot slower but we were also a lot younger then and uh we weren't as astute about these sort of things so maybe that deserves a rewatch on our part um but i'm going to i'm not going to get into it we don't have time for it uh the loved ones was a really great horror story yes, and i i highly recommend it if you haven't seen it find it check it out give it a watch because what i did love about it is the fact that it's a role reversal where we don't have a final girl we have a final boy yep. and he's completely innocent and like this girl is Com- straight on bonkers completely innocent wow um yeah 
Like, that's the thing is, like, this boy didn't do a thing and he gets put through the ringer. But anyway. Yeah, and I'm going to say, I never thought that I would ever write the words or say the words. I've never rooted for somebody to pee so much in my life. When you, <laughs> when you see the movie, you'll understand. So the big thing that's really dropped this week, of course, is the premiere of The Last of Us. The yeah. series based on a video game, which I never played. I've played it. I enjoyed it. I never finished it, but I have played it. Uh, so the online reaction to The Last of Us led me to believe that this was the the next coming of Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead or whatever. Like the online... Right. Uh, and one of the big things is this is how you adapt a video game. Okay. And I will I will say that right now. Probably one the first episode of The Last of Us, probably one of the best video game adaptations I have seen. Yeah, I can see that because the the first act, that opening act where all the the everything goes down, everything yeah. starts, was very cinematic. I think that's what you told me. They're called they're called cinematic cuts or cinematic clips yeah. in, in video games. It really felt very video game-like, especially yeah. when they're trying to get out of the city and you see the planes and all the things surrounding them. I thought that that was fantastic. Visually, it was stunning to watch. Yeah, yeah. And it is a really... So the details that they put into this thing, like even the daughter was wearing the exact same T-shirt that the daughter wore in the video game. Like the right. details are great. Absolutely brilliant. Pedro Pascal's performance, really, really good. Okay. It's it's good, Okay, in my opinion. Okay. But here's my thing, though. Yeah, great video game adaptation, but this is... It's nothing new. It's nothing different than The Walking Dead. It's nothing different than shows like that. I, I don't understand the love for it, other than it's a really good video game adaptation. Okay, so, so here's my thing, because I don't know anything about The Last of Us at all. Yeah. I didn't play the game. My friend Mark played the game. He has a different perspective, a little bit different than yours and mine. Um, for me, going into it at completely without bias, without any expectation, without anything, I loved the first act. Right. Then it got really boring for me. And I checked in and checked out and checked in and checked out. Yeah. And there was some nice visuals. But by the end of it, I was kind of bored. Now, what Mark had pointed out was that this was like the training mission in the game. Yeah. So, like, that, that's exactly what you saw. So, all the action is going to start ramping up later. I also felt that the runtime of it was a little long for a premiere episode that yeah. they're going to kind of do weekly. I wasn't that invested into it. Now, you had mentioned Pedro Pascal. I am not um, against Pedro Pascal, but I would... Right now, he seems to be like the the it guy. I would like to see a series that doesn't star Pedro Pascal. I mean, this character could have been any actor. I didn't. I was not as charmed by his performance as you seem to be. I was just like, okay, it's a performance. Any actor could have done it. I think back in the day when they were talking about making this into a film, I think Nathan Fillion was up for the role. Okay, but. That's but, a very widely different actor than Pedro Pascal. Yeah, but I, I just feel like sometimes with these video game kind of things, it doesn't matter who you put into it. And they're putting, they're trying to put a star power into it, but that could backfire on them because the whole thing of it is Pedro Pascal seems to just work and work and work and work. And he keeps getting all of these offers and all of these things. And what happens if he decides, I'm out? 
they kill off the character and but you can't kill off the character because it's based on a video game and that character is the character that you play in the video game and goes throughout the whole video game i assume yes yes and to be fair that character does die multiple times in the video game because it it can be a bit difficult (laughs) but But regenerates like doctor who yeah kill him off bring him back as another actor sure why not so I just, I do want to go back to the point about the adaptation of a video game. This, comparing this to other adaptations is grossly unfair because The Last of Us is a very, very story-driven video game. Right, so if you were to compare it to, say, the first Resident Evil movie. Yeah. Or Doom. Well, the Resident Evil, that's a fair comparison. Like, Resident Evil itself is very story-driven. But the adaptations for the Resident Evil video games were not good. But like comparing it to say Mortal Kombat, Rampage, things like that, those are not story-driven video games. Those are fighting games, action right. games. So taking this movie that is story-driven and making it into a movie or a TV series makes sense and should be should be easier to adapt than some of those other video games. Yeah, I might be in the minority on this, but I really did like the Rampage movie with. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I, I thought it was clever how they weaved a story out of something that basically doesn't have much of a but, story. And that's the point I'm making. Yeah. Like, I like Rampage as well. I really enjoyed that film. But other than the animals, what the heck does it have to do with the video game? Not a whole lot. Yeah, because nothing. what can it have to do with the video game? But <laughs> I do laugh because I love the fact that Jeffrey Dean Morgan was in it. And I sat there and I watched it. Uh, we watched it in theaters. And I, I took my dad to see it. And I remember sitting there going, oh, so that's what Negan did before he did The Walking Dead came in. Because there was really no difference. It was like bad Negan, good Negan. Yeah, it was, you good, know? It was good boy Negan. And I remember sitting there, uh, I mean, now as Walking Dead has progressed, we know what Negan did prior to uh, the Zompocalypse. But I remember just my favorite part is when he goes, oh, you didn't know about the wolf? <laughs> And it's such a Negan delivery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I really enjoyed him in that film, and I would love to see him do more stuff with Dwayne Johnson. But yeah, um. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at The Last of Us right now. I think it's it's good. It is good, but I don't think it's it deserves the praise that it's getting. It's too early for me to decide, and it's actually quite honestly too early for me to decide if I'm going to continue to watch it. I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick out for the full season just to see how it goes because i do enjoy the game and i want to see how the 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 full adaptation is yeah i mean there's so many things that i i want to watch there's a lot of things that i haven't watched that i need to catch up on watching um so for me to join into something new it better be a lot better because one of the things that happened is all the fandom is familiar with it but part of what checked me out is i'm sitting there going okay so now it's 20 years later after that opening act and there's some really great stuff coming in you see that child walking towards the compound the city and it's like okay i'm in with this i'm in with this but then they what happened is they did a very poor job of introducing all of these characters i'm like well who's that and who's that and what's that person doing what what are even their names and so that i found kind of hard whereas in a video game it does that because it doesn't matter but you get to know them over the course of the video game, and it's a very intimate kind of setting. 
Whereas this isn't as intimate because you could be watching it with a bunch of people. You could be watching it on your own. You could be interrupted by a phone call or whatever. But when you're playing a video game, you're in the game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting how you say, you talk about the, the intimacy of playing a video game. So I've, re- just very quickly, I've recently started playing Resident Evil 2, the, the remake. And there's a character who doesn't last very long, but you, when it comes to the point where he di- that character dies... You're sitting there like, oh, no, like you knew he was going to die, but you still didn't want him to die. Right. Well, for me, it's too early to tell yet. So we'll have to give it another chance and see what see how it unfolds and see how it goes. Maybe my opinion will change. Maybe it won't. But having said that, aliens, it is now time for Nick's Pop Culture Roundup. All right. So it's been an interesting week, but I'm going to start off with this. Sean S. Cunningham. One of the original uh, creators of Friday the 13th, after some long running legal battles with different production companies claiming that they own Friday the 13th, Sean S. Cunningham is finally getting into a reboot of Friday the 13th, which will be a movie. There Yay! is a TV show coming out, which is a prequel, but that's not going to be related to. No, isn't that called Crystal Lake? Or Crystal something? Lake, yeah. yeah. Which I don't think is necessary, but that's me. So he's he's uh, rebooting Friday the Thirteenth. He's also going to reboot House, which the, the movie House, not the not the TV oh. show with Hugh Laurie. No, okay, no, 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 yeah, no, no. okay. So I, I have a couple questions. Okay, first one is why? Because he wants to make money. Why did? Why else do any of these I people know. do this stuff? I know, but I, it harkens back to our last podcast where I said, "Stop beating franchises to death and give me something new." Well, I mean, I wouldn't say he's beating it to death. We haven't seen a house movie since the 90s. I saw our techno-mage shaking head no here. What 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 was your thought on that, Ren? I need to know. Sometimes reboots are fun. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I just don't, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Sometimes they are fun, but I want something new. I mean, it's just James Bond is 60 years old. Uh, like, the problems with... WB and the Snyderverse yeah, and the yeah. Gunverse and and Phase Four of the MCU and yet another zombie-like apocalypse and Mark's big thing is well it's different because it's spores. I don't care what it is. They're still like zombie things. I want something new. Yeah. Or yeah. or at least a really new and kind of fresh spin on. Like you could say the same thing about all the different Dracula movies, right? But they're not a franchise. There's somebody does a Dracula movie, like the Franklin Gala one is different from Bella Lugosi and all that kind of stuff. So I can sit there and go, oh, Renfeld, that looks fresh and exciting. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something about, there's something about taking a story and a director's different take on it. I enjoy that. Like, I would love to, for example, I would love to see Guillermo del Toro do a Lord of the Rings movies. Just as an example, I would, okay. I would sit down and watch that. But a lot of the times it's more, I would like to have another Friday the 13th movie just so that the series could continue. Right. Uh, especially with modern technology, it would, would be a lot of fun. And honestly, and they were talking about this before all the legal troubles happened over a decade ago, they were planning on doing a found footage Friday the 13th film, which... I was excited for because I like found footage films. I'm not I'm, a fan. I would like to see them because it would be a, a different take on Friday the 13th. Yeah. And I would like to see that. But sometimes a different take doesn't work. Like we have seen with Halloween. Mm-hmm. 
the different take. I know there's there's two camps on it, but for me, the different take didn't work. Yeah. So um, as we are complaining about them just beating a dead horse, Disney is working on a new Tron film. Here we go again. Okay, so, <laughs> so the first Tron film is a seminal movie of my generation. Yeah. Loved it, right? It was one of the first movies that incorporated that kind of technology. Computers were just coming onto the scene. You know, are they going to be good for society? Aren't they going to be good for society? What can happen here? If you give it a rewatch by modern audiences' point of views, it could be a bit of a slow burn until... He gets sucked into the Tron machine. Yeah. So Bruce Boxleitner's there, right? But it's this first Tron sequel that they did was okay. I, I didn't mind it. It was fine. I, I enjoyed it. I own it. It's But I don't really see people clamoring for a Tron trilogy. So... Let me... is, is it because they're they're making a ride? Is that why? Oh, probably. Uh, so it's going to be directed by Joaquin Renning and... Morbius himself, Jared Leto, is set to star. Okay, you say that like that's a bad thing. I want to be clear here. Jared Leto starring in something isn't a bad thing. He had a bad script with Morbius. He was the right choice for that character, but the script was terrible. Fair, but it sounds like Leto is um, spearheading this one, and he also spearheaded Morbius, so... Okay, but again, putting the... Putting the money into it is one thing. Writing it is another. He didn't write it. But maybe he should have said... And listen, you and I both know, all three of us are involved in theater. We both know that sometimes a script reads better than it plays, and sometimes a script plays better than it reads. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm not I'm not going to judge him on that. I just sit there and go, I... Yeah, okay, Vanity Project, Vanity Project, Vanity Project, maybe. I don't know. I I mean, listen, I'm being a bit hypocritical. I'll check it out, but Uh, I question why. At the end of the day, I grew up watching Tron. It came out a couple years before I was born, and I literally grew up on this film. He grew up watching Tron. That's cute. (laughs) I I grew up watching Tron. I was already there. Well, no, like, yeah, I understand that. But what I'm saying is I don't know a world without Tron. Yeah, I do. It was one of the, it was one of the, it's one of the first sci-fi films I was shown as a kid. Let me tell you, it was exciting. It was an exciting movie when it came out. I mean, that's, that's what I, I I feel bad for you guys in a way, because I got to be there when all of this stuff was new and fresh and came out. I experienced the whole blockbuster thing and "Ah, Star Wars ever coming here. If I had a time machine. I would love to go back to 1977 and see the premiere of Star Wars on the screen, just so I could be there to see that reaction from people. Yeah, but you would bitch about having to stand outside in a line for going to a single play. <laughs> yep, basically. So, moving on, Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. So that's the new Power Rangers series that's coming out. Now, this one's kind of exciting because, again, millennial news for us this is the 30th anniversary year of the power rangers wow 30 years ago eight-year-old nick was sitting in front of the tv before school watching power rangers cosmic fury is the current is the series that's going to be coming out on february in february 20th it's the first fully american designed rangers costumes that they've had which is really kind of neat because everything is based off of the super sentai tv show in japan and they intercut the uh 
the action sequences into the American show. Now, I don't know if that means they're going to be producing their own action sequences or if the Super Sentai show in Japan will be adopting these costumes. That I'm not sure of, but I'm excited to see that. Another really neat thing is that this is our first woman Red Ranger. The Red Ranger is the leader in each group, so it's our first woman uh, leader who will be played by Hunter Dino, uh, who's, who's Amelia Jones. She's currently in Dino Fury as the same character, so she's moving on to the leadership role. So that's really kind of neat, really kind of exciting. Yeah, now, I can't relate to any of that because you mentioned like 30 years ago, 8-year-old Nick was just eating up Power Rangers. 30 years ago, 23-year-old John was trying to find the future Mrs. Allen. Fair enough. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I can't speak to Power Rangers at all. So yeah, so 30th anniversary for Power Rangers. A lot of big stuff going on this year. I've, I may have already uh, pre-ordered some of the 30th anniversary figures. But the really big thing, the huge thing for Power Rangers this year is that they are doing a 30th anniversary special on Netflix. April 19th on Netflix, Power Rangers once and always will be dropping. Now, this is really cool. So a lot of the anniversary stuff that's been happening lately is just like like Fresh Prince or Friends where they just get together and it's a, a thing where they just talk and share stories. and blah. This is a legit story. This is something that's happening. So the series stars are the original actors, Walter Jones as Zack, the Black Power Ranger, and David Yost as Billy, the Blue Power Ranger, and a few others from later series. I don't know what the story is going to be, but I am super excited for this. Super excited, because it's just going to be cool to see these guys back on TV. Now, even though that's not my passion for obvious reasons, I'm really excited for you and all the other Power Rangers fans to be able to reinvestigate that and and see the, all these these great new um, shows that they come up with for Power Rangers. Yeah. Now, Nick, speaking of nostalgia and guys in suits, one of the things that we had always planned on talking about, and we're going to do it today, are corporate mascots. Corporate mascots are. Um, I'm sorry, like. When you, you can't talk about, you can't have a pop culture show and not talk about these mascots and these corporate images that have permeated into society and have become pop culture icons. And that that's 100% the truth. I mean, some, some of these characters are synonymous with the products that they sell. And like, sometimes they live outside of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, look at how many of the mascots... That show up in things like The Simpsons, Family Guy, different cartoons. Ready different Player things. One. Yeah. Like, they're all over the place. And they really do become this this entity within pop culture that transcends what they're selling. Yeah. So, let, let's start by saying, who who do you have a favorite corporate mascot? Do you have a favorite mascot? A favorite mascot? Oh, geez. You know, I've always loved Tony the Tiger. Yeah. Always love. So when I was a kid in Britain, I don't know if they did it here, but they had um, cereal boxes for Kellogg's that had little vinyl records. Right. On the box. And Tony, I can't remember what Tony's was. Tony's, but I, I had, I had to get the Tony the Tiger one because I love Tony the Tiger. Right. I think his was the, the Thunderbirds theme. <laughs> it was so, it was such a weird thing. It was such a weird little thing that they did. But yeah, no, I love Tony the Tiger. Who yeah. is your favorite? And, well, before I, I say that, it's um, I want to point out that Tony the Tiger was voiced by Thurl Ravenscraft, who also did the singing on How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes, you're you're a mean one, Mister Grinch. So I mean, like that's fantastic. 
voice casting because only he with that huge baritone voice really could have done justice to Tony the Tiger going, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not so much that this one is my favorite, but I grew up with this, with the commercials and everything like that. I really miss Ronald McDonald and the McDonald Land characters. Yeah, I re I remember being a okay. I remember being a kid coming to Canada, and they had the play places with all these different characters around, like the Hamburglar, and they had the the Hamburger Cop, and you could go up into the Hamburger Cop's head, and it was like bars, that, and it was yeah. so neat. Yeah, but I. I miss those old advertisements. I missed when they would make toys of them. And they all represented something. Like, there was Mayor McCheese, uh, who was, again, a hamburger. The Fry uh, Guys. Yeah, the Fry Guys represented uh, the French fries, obviously. Um, Ronald McDonald was just the, the, the overlord of all of them. Uh, but Grimace, initially, he was representing the, the milkshakes, right? He, really? Yeah, Grimace loved milkshakes. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Captain Crook was obviously the filet of fish Captain Crook? Yes, dude. Yes. How? Uh, what? The Hamburglar just was, I don't know, his, his whole fetish was hamburger Because you had to have villains, right? So his whole thing was, like, I need a hamburger, and he's just going to steal them, right? Yeah. So Captain Crook and the Hamburglar were the villains of McDonald Land. Really? I didn't I didn't know there was a Captain Crook. I don't yeah. remember that at all. No. Maybe, maybe he disappeared before I was a kid. He might know. have. But, I mean, we were, uh, this is the importance of it. Like, you don't understand this growing up. Um, you know, as, as Gen X, before we even knew we were Gen X, we're just children in the 1970s. And I think it was probably getting closer to the 80s, might have even been the 80s. The excitement that came out when they were introducing a brand new McDonald Lance character, which was Early Bird. And, right, yeah. And she represented all the, the, breakfast, all the breakfast stuff. But the neat thing about Early Bird was she was the first female character that was coming into the McDonald Land. And then you got like the little nuggets and whatever. Oh, I remember the little muppet, the little puppet nuggets. But I, I miss that. I yeah. even as an adult, I miss that because I think that it really helped them sell McDonald's as a really friendly, family-oriented place that you could come to. And Burger King tried themselves by actually making the Burger King. Yeah, and, and the Burger King kids. Yeah, uh, Burger King kids. Yeah, that was a that was a, that was the nineties. They had these. Uh, they were actually fairly inclusionary as well because they had one that had uh, he he had a a visor on his on his face because he had eye problems. They had one in a wheelchair and all sorts of different things as well. Like, I, but that was Ren shaking your head. I, I did, was this a fever dream you had? I don't no, remember this no, at all. No. So now that we've paused and we've looked at some videos, I vaguely remember it, but I think it was different in the different countries because as we looked it up. Yeah, you said that it was actually a British marketing campaign mm -hmm. that uh, I British guess, marketing company, British marketing company. But I, the reason I don't remember them is because the commercial that we first saw, where they animated and they all came to life, didn't play here in Canada. Yeah, that was clearly an American ad. But then we watched another one where it was just a little girl at a table with the kids' club yeah. bag. So that's why I don't remember them because here in Canada, at least, they wouldn't have become iconic. Uh, even the toys that you got in the the kids club bag were in that commercial were Beetlejuice toys. Yeah, they did have like I remember they did have some kids club uh, toys for Burger King, but but there again in the nineties I was an adult I wasn't exactly paying attention to kids meals. That's fair enough. So aliens, let us know if you remember the Burger King Kids Club. Uh, t add us 
at the Area 51 H or uh, find our find us on Facebook and let us know. Yeah, because I'm curious. But they but they weren't really like were they the mascot? Like was the Burger King still around? The Burger King wasn't being used in the 90s okay. at all. It was just I I didn't know the Burger King character until the 2000s when he they started doing those ads where the Burger King would just show up. Yeah. See now the Burger King when he first premiered was actually an actor. Yeah. Dressed as a king, and he had a magic ring, and he would perform these little magic things, and it was, yay, the Burger King. And then we got that monstrosity that shows up with that, <laughs> that massive head, based on that actor's look, where you're just like, wow, okay. And the thing, <laughs> Frightening. <laughs> the thing I love about that Burger King is because that Burger King started really playing into the earliest aspects of meme culture online yeah because there was always memes about burger king one of my favorite ones is just the burger king standing uh standing looking at someone over their fridge door going where's your god now like (laughs) which is really one of the most accurate things about that character i don't think he actually said (laughs) no he he doesn't say that and they they just put that caption on it okay so so uh, this works perfectly because a little later on we are going to talk about some forgotten mascots and this this is perfect for that because again i don't know that the kids club were really like the the face of burger king or they were like niche to to kids right yeah yeah they were were deaf like they were definitely there there to sell fast food to kids but i like the fact that it was massively inclusive that's really cool yeah um, but I don't think we can go on with this conversation much longer without getting into the history of corporate mascots. Yeah, so the history of corporate mascots is an interesting one. So the first real corporate mascot appears to be the Quaker Oats Man. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so that was back in the 1800s. Because he's is, a Quaker. Yes. And he's shilling some oats. And but mascots didn't really start to become popular until sports teams got into it, right? Right. Now the Chicago Cubs were the first to have a mascot, right? And their mascot, their very first mascot, was a taxidermy bear, and it's every bit as creepy as you think it is. <laughs> like I saw a picture of it; it's utterly terrifying because they, they they have it standing upright, and its mouth is gaping open, and it just. It looks terrible. It's the poster for Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> if if Cocaine Bear came out in 1909. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And then they moved to a live animal for a short period of time. Yeah, because what could go wrong with that? Yeah, I know. And then they were with the Cubs were without a mascot for close to 100 years. And then they introduced Clark the Bear in 1904. Clark. Clark. I know, that's such a random name. But, yeah, so that's... And from there, other sports teams started getting into it. And that's... The corporation started getting into around mid-century. Yeah. What cracks me up is the mascot comes from a French word, which is mascot. Mascot. (laughs) Possibly mascotte. I don't know what the inflection is. No, mascotte would be Italian. Yeah, that would be Italian. But, yeah, it it means uh, lucky charm or good luck. Really? Yeah. Bit on the nose for General Mills with their leprechaun. I know, right? Oh, good old Lucky. But, yeah, you know, and that's the thing is, like, I think cereals have really taken a hold and still continue to use yeah. mascots where other other, other pr- products have not, like... Yeah, they're, they're the ones that really became 
into our, our childhood and our pop culture. Like, you can dress up as Count Chocula for Halloween. Yeah, exactly. You can dress up as Ronald McDonald for Halloween. You can dress up as a ton of them. The Lucky Charms. Uh, no, no, but I mean there's an actual costume that you can buy. An actual oh Count God. Chocula costume. Like, it's, you can dress up whatever you want for Halloween, whatever you make homemade. You know, it's not like McDonald's is going to sue you. They'll probably give you a free Big Mac for all the advertising. It's like, hey, great. But, you know, it's like... Uh, there is an actual Count Chocula costume that you can buy and go out as Count Chocula. That's beautiful. I didn't realize that. No. Um, yeah, and let's talk about those ones for a minute because that's really interesting. We all know Count Chocula. Yeah. We all know Frankenberry. Yeah. We all know Boo Berry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't end there. There was a werewolf and there was a mummy as well. Of course there was. And I, he, I don't know if any if it's still, I mean, we're, we're not in the United States of America, so I don't know if you can go to your local Piggly Wiggly and grab them off the shelf. But they definitely existed at one point, and that was the Fruit Brute and Yummy Mummy, and they were fruit cereals. Yeah, I, I, I see you biting your tongue on the Yummy Mummy part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't say it. I can't say it. No, this is a... We try to keep this family-friendly, dude. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I didn't know that. Like, I've... Being a Star Wars fan, I've looked back, and I've seen that they released cereal back in the 80s called c-3po's mm-hmm. so i know there's cereal that have come and gone over the years right but i didn't realize that they essentially did the universal all the universal monsters in cereal form next thing you're going to tell me there's a Gilman cereal uh, no i i'm not going to tell you that but there probably is um but it's not related to that yeah, circle no, of of friends but isn't it's just it blows my mind in a way because they bring all these sort of cereals into it, and it's just there for a hot minute because they're trying to capture the popularity of something. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, just do not make because remember when um, Batman versus Superman came out? So they came out with the two cereals, Batman cereal and the Superman cereal. Yeah, and I can tell you this: hot garbage, both of them. Oh my gosh, they were gross. Well, I mean, I think there's an entire podcast episode about the quality of cereal, but we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> quality of cereal. I... So that means that every morning when we have a bowl of cereal, we are cereal killers. Nothing, huh? Okay. Ah, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I am not ashamed of myself because I was born in 1969, and these are dad jokes even though I'm not a dad. But it just goes with the territory. On that movie I worked on... Um, couple of years ago the uh the props girl was just in her 20s or whatever and we were just talking about fashion one day and she you know said about my jacket and she says and people were complimenting my jacket which is a leather jacket and she said i feel like that's like the standard dad jacket i'm like i feel old now so I'm sorry. You feel old. It, it, Power Rangers is thirty. It just goes with the territory. Power Rangers. Oh, listen to him. Power, <laughs> Power Rangers is thirty. Yeah, boo boo. Elvira is forty, and Star Wars is coming up on fifty. You know, like shut up. Just <laughs> shut up. You have nothing, fetus. <laughs> oh, now I feel attacked. <laughs> but anyway, as you should. Back to back to our mascots. Back so, to our mascots. Here's the thing. I remember so the rooster for cornflakes. Yeah. Has always been a thing. But during the 90s, they tried to turn it into a legitimate mascot instead of just that um, instead of a corporate logo. Yeah, instead of a corporate logo. And that that didn't do too well. 
uh, but they had the more cartoon-centric rooster for the advertisements and for a very short period of time on the cereal boxes itself. Yeah. But that that didn't gain the traction that... And didn't they name him Cornelius or something Cornelius. like that? Oh, yeah, the rooster's always been called Cornelius. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's... I that's something we, that they tried. just blew Ren's mind on that one, I think. Don't Probably. Think, don't think they knew that. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, it's really so fascinating because like, I think the cereal mascots are really what speak to us because that was our first introduction well, even yeah, to pop culture as children because that's what we saw every morning. Our mothers would plunk down yep. the cereal. They'd plunk down what we'd like. But for me, like my mother didn't want a whole bunch of sugar cereal, so they were like a treat. So like uh, we got Rice Krispies with Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Yep. They were fantastic. We got cornflakes. That's that's a throwover for my grandmother. And uh, there's a whole history about cornflakes that you guys can look up if you want, where we're not going to discuss on this show. <laughs> I can. I just can't. Just the reason why it was made. Yeah. You know, it's it's wasn't made for to be a breakfast cereal. It was Do- made to be something else. Doctor Kellogg was an odd gentleman. Let's just leave it at that. So you have the cereal mascots. You have the fast food restaurant mascots and some of them come some of them have gone but the really neat thing is that you have these other mascots that are human yeah and and i want to make sort of they're kind of a a breed unto themselves because there's a difference between a spokesperson and And, a mascot you know like i remember george c scott doing the only commercial he ever did which was to talk about an automobile and the whole script of that commercial with George C. Scott being the spokesman for that particular automobile, it starts off with, I don't do commercials ever. So you know that if I'm telling you about this car, I love this car. That was the kind of thing. It's the only commercial George C. Scott ever did. And one thing I'll say about that that commercial, I have never seen it, but just knowing what I know, George C. Scott's performance in that commercial is probably better than any actor actor working. It was Emmy worthy. It was Emmy worthy. But then you have like Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Where she was Activia. Yeah, she was hawking Activia, and she was talking about board games. So there's a difference between a because celebrities will go over to Japan. Oh, they're saying they will do commercials that they will get paid millions of dollars to do the commercial. They're doing that here. I mean, look at the the Matthew McConaughey's. I think it's it's the Lincoln the Lincoln ad that you did for Lincoln cars. Yeah, like a lot of them are starting to do that stuff here. Of course, Jamie Lee Curtis doing activity. Yeah, but, but they're getting paid. But they're millions yeah. and millions. <laughs> I just love the running joke that they put in in Hot in Cleveland. With because Victoria Chase is supposed to be, and she does that. She goes over to Japan and does the absorbent lady pants. Oh my God! Yeah, commercial, and she she's so vain, and she keeps getting recognized for being absorbent lady pants. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so there's a difference between a spokesperson and a corporate mascot. But sometimes. They blend. Yes. And I'm going back to when I was a child, 1970s, 1980s, where you had the Maytag repairman. Right. And the Maytag repairman, um, there was an actor that played him, and the whole point was that he was so bored because Maytag Maytag products never broke down. And then um, that actor retired or passed away or whatever, and they hired Gordon Jump from WKRP in Cincinnati to be the Maytag repairman. Uh, but but, But the big one was before the Charmin Bears, there was Mr. Whipple. And he ran a little grocery store, 
And it was his whole thing was that Charmin was so soft that all the women, because it was, you know, women shopped back then and men didn't. It was all very sexist now, but to the time, maybe not because there were mothers at home doing those kind of duties. They would come in and they would squeeze the Charmin and he'd be so vexed. And he's like, please don't squeeze the Charmin. And I'm just thinking back to the 70s and 80s just for a second. It's interesting how some some of these uh, mascot spokespersons kind of transcend what they're selling and become part of the the pop culture lexicon without the product. The one that comes to mind is the Where's the Beef Lady. Yes. Because I have no idea what she was selling. I just know about the Where's the Beef Lady. Yeah, and she actually got in movies and uh, television episodes and uh, just... And and parroting that, where's the beef? Yeah. You know, uh, back to the 70s, there was a commercial for Calgon Water Softener. Don't come for us. We're not being racist. This was the commercial. You know, and it was uh, Mr. Lee ran a Chinese laundry. And the customer says, Mr. Lee, how do you get your laundry so sparkling? How do you get everything so white, whatever? Mm -hmm. And he looks around to make sure nobody can hear him. And he says... It's an ancient Chinese secret. Now, to be fair, the the Lees do not have Chinese accents. They're not. Yeah. There's no racist undertone to it other than the fact that they're running a a Chinese laundry. And the wife goes, Mrs. Lee goes on and says, oh, my husband, he's so full of crap. And she she shows that they're using Calgon and she does the whole virtues virtues of Calgon, right? And so the end of the commercial, she comes out and she says, we need more Calgon. And the customer turns to Mr. Lee and says, ancient Chinese secret, huh? Yeah. Well, that catch, that ancient Chinese secret and the ancient Chinese secret, huh, became catchphrases for a long time in the 70s. So to your point, things can really transcend and permeate into the, the, the culture yeah. of things. Like uh, before the Coca-Cola bears, I, we mentioned this um, on uh, before. Where Coca-Cola used to make those nice commercials right at Christmas time. And it's these people sitting on the side of the mountain. It started back in the 60s with the uh, hippie generation, you know, where and I can't sing it because, you know, infringement. But, you know, they were saying about how they'd like to buy the world a Coke and all this wonderful, peaceful harmony and beautiful kind of sentiments and we looked forward to that every christmas Mm -hmm. but what i always loved as a kid too is that these commercials were fantastic because you had a a short little three minute cartoon with people like the keebler elves i remember when i was a kid watching saturday morning cartoons uh specifically on american channels right they would always have the little the, the 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 advertisements for keebler and for keebler cookies and the keebler elves Although, I don't think I've ever actually had Keebler cookies now that I think about it. But, yeah, I remember those, and they were always fun little cartoons. Yeah, but that's because, that's that's the thing. Here in Canada, like, we didn't have a lot of the products that were being advertised. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it was, like, I remember when Toll House Cookies came out, and I'm like, what the heck is a Toll House cookie? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, well, let's get Toll House cookies. We, no, you can't. They're not here. Sorry. It's like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah okay. I remember. They are now, but they weren't then. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of stuff that would get advertised on ABC, Fox, all that stuff. But you that know, we just didn't have access to. But it's interesting because you mentioned about the advertising in the cartoons, like to children, yeah. right? But when I was a kid, yeah, they had that. But I remember 
seeing the Keebler elves when my mother was watching a soap opera or like daytime television. It wasn't regulated to advertising directly to children, which became really problematic, I think, in the 80s or early 90s. In the 90s, yeah. yeah. It became a huge problem. Yeah, they, they, they were wondering about whether they should be advertising to children or not. But I can tell you, from my own perspective, as a child... That and maybe it's it's different parenting. I don't know. But if I sat there and ran to my dad or my mom and said, "Hey, look, this little elf, he's selling me chocolate cookies. I want those cookies." They'd say, "No." And it's interesting that you say that because growing up with all of this stuff, yeah, when I was a kid, it was a treat. But now I'm an adult with adult money, and I can spend my money on whatever I want. <laughs> and I do buy these cereals, and I know that my kid has definitely had more access to these cereals than I did than I did because they would be they're regularly in my pantry. Yeah, and I don't mean to just make it sound like my parents were these evil taskmasters no, no. that never gave us anything, but it was the idea that, you know, we want nutrition, we want health. So my mother wasn't gonna sit there like we'd get the occasional box of fruit loops. Like yeah. she was really good at okay, so when's the last time that I let the kids have corn pops? Which actually speaking of of mascots, there's one that's been forgotten. The the porcupine for pork for uh, seriously yeah yeah I had no idea they had a mascot for look corn, it up corn pops look it up okay oh my god yeah see oh. and uh, this is the thing some of them I've even forgotten about because I remember Poppy the 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 uh, porcupine but there was a cowboy as you can see there like we we've looked it up here listeners and corn pops used to be called sugar pops which I which I didn't know yeah and even the variation of the cowboy there right like yeah. this one here that's a human that's an actual person like uh, and yeah. this one here is a caricature with a cowboy hat for a head yeah and then and there's an actual cartoon cowboy and it's really kind of neat uh that they sort of went with this country western theme for corn pops Wow, I had no idea. And that's kind of the thing. Some of these mascots do drop off because they. this one looks like they've had the mascot around for a long time prior to me being aware of Corn Pops. Yeah. But some of them do drop off. And because they're not part of the cultural lexicon, they just go into the ether, which yeah. is kind of neat. Um, just talking about forgotten mascots for a moment, I look back at, and I, I was telling my kid about this, Taco Bell used to have the Taco Bell Chihuahua. Yes, Yo Quiero Taco Bell. And Geico, before having the Geico Gecko, had the Geico Caveman, who that went away because they made it into a, into an actual TV show, and that TV show failed, so they got rid of the Caveman Which is a, it's, That's kind of a shame it failed, but I mean, that's where corporations don't realize just because your commercial is popular doesn't mean it's going to transcend into something else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, the where's the beef lady? She got tired pretty soon after they started popularizing her because it was, again, very popular. And they tried to repopularize it with a different one, with a different saying, as you noticed, maybe not that long ago, where she was like, where's the bacon? Is there any bacon in this house? And it didn't go the same way as the where's the beef lady. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that was like uh, maybe a year ago. Oh, wow. Where's the beef lady still alive? No, gosh, no. It's a whole different set of ladies. Oh, okay. All right. Got you. Got Holy. You. Like, wow. Here, ha have some more of your Pepsi. Just Jeez. All right. <laughs> clear, clear your mind there. <laughs> if that lady was alive, she'd be like 200 years old. But, like, that's the thing. You've got the forgotten ones. There's uh, the Noid, which was Domino's. Yeah. Thing. You, had, you had to avoid the Noid. Yeah. And the Noid would 
was this cartoony character. I think it was a claymation character. Yeah, for sure it was claymation. And he'd come in and he'd wreck the joint and all that stuff. But I don't even know if, if the Noid is as forgotten as, say, like Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brut. As yeah, honestly, before. I don't think so because... I mean, Poppy is certainly forgotten. The Cowboy's certainly forgotten. I had no idea. Yeah. None. But, like, you look at characters like the Noid or Kool-Aid Man or anything like that, and these characters are characters that have made appearances in The Simpsons, in Family Guy, other cartoons like that, and in other TV shows as well. Yeah, and the guy from Hawaiian Punch, the Hawaiian Punch guy. How'd you like a nice Hawaiian Punch? They still use him. Do they? Yeah. He's still, well, I mean, he's still on the, the packages. Yeah, he's still on the on packages, TV. but I don't know if they, they do commercials with that because it would be considered too violent. But And, and that's the thing, is they have, in the 90s, they moved away from using mascots. And you could see that in a lot of the newer food. Like, I remember the the Capri Sun ads in the 90s where the kids take a drink and they turn into this metallic liquid thing and fly through the air and go to the park and they have energy to play baseball and, and basketball and blah, 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 blah. Or the Yope commercials where it was a funky song and the, the actors in the commercial, their, their mouths would just be really wide. Oh, yeah, sang. yeah, yeah. The the Yop Me Mama one, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, I hated they, that commercial. They had, like, that's the direction that they took in the 90s. They started moving away from the mascots. And by the early 2000s, even Ronald McDonald was gone. And they had the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because Ronald McDonald had been around for a long time. In fact, Willard Scott, who used to be the weatherman on, I think it was the Today Show? Or one of those morning shows. Right. Uh, and he was a very famous weatherman in the United States. He was actually the first Ronald McDonald. Yeah, yeah. And Ronald McDonald looked like, uh, back then, <laughs> he looked like someone had taken a little LSD or something. <laughs> I mean, some some of the first iterations of characters from the 60s and 70s are really wild, so... But, yeah, but, I mean, that's the whole thing. They still have the Ronald McDonald houses. Yeah. You know, so why would you not have Ronald McDonald? I just... Let's bring back some of these these icons and make them fit the modern world. Well, and, and part of that is the fact that they just can't. There are now regulations in place that prevent them from doing but that. There is so, but they don't have to advertise to children. Like, just, it's the joy of it. And I don't think that this is the problem. When you become an adult, you start to use your critical thinking skills, right? But you also seem to forget what it was like for you as a child and the joy that these things brought you. Because I can tell you, again, I alluded to it earlier, it all boiled down to parenting. There was no way in heck, no matter how much they advertised to us as children, our parents, of the parents of Gen X, would have ever caved in if they really didn't want you to have it. Ooh, um, I can't say that's the same for my generation. But at the end of the at the end of the day, I mean, we're not going to get into the politics of it all. But regulations exist for a yeah. reason, and that's all there is. Well, to they, it. they exist, but I mean, it's just uh, I I just I miss it because it was such a joyful experience. Saturday morning cartoons don't exist anymore. Yeah, because you know? of regulations. It's just it was such a joyful time that makes my generation sit there and go. So nostalgic for a time when you didn't have the internet, when you didn't have. So what I've started doing, uh, I have a, I have a from a, on my media server, I've started putting together playlists of Saturday morning cartoons, so that on Saturday morning I can wake up and watch Saturday morning cartoons with a nice big bowl of cereal because I want to feel nostalgic. <laughs> you know that's all. That is really awesome. I should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then again, at fifty three. I'm not sure I want to do that. 
You know what, Nick, you, you bring up a good point. At what point do these pop culture icons, these corporate mascots, these these logos, these whatever become problematic? Some of them have become problematic in recent years and some of them become problematic before because they started sending the wrong message. Yeah, and it all really depends on how a person views it because I know that there are going to be some people out there that are going to sit there and, you know, say, well, what was the problem and what was this and all that kind of stuff. And then there's going to be people who will sit there and go, well, it is problematic because that is cultural misappropriation or it's my yeah. race or it's whatever. And, and you right? see it in corporations and sports teams alike. Yeah, let's are... let's talk about that sports team because the one I'm really particularly thinking of that the, there was a lot of, of press around it is Chief Wahoo from the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. I didn't even know he had a name. I just thought he was the Cleveland Indians. No, and I, I, are they calling it Cleveland Indians anymore? Yeah, they've completely yeah. gotten rid of the name for Cleveland Indi- Indians. Or yeah, like they've completely killed that. Yeah, um, what are they called now? They're called the Cleveland Guardians. As you can tell, aliens, we are huge sports fanatics here at Area Fifty One and a Half. Absolutely, <laughs> we are. Right? Okay. Go Thanks for looking ball. that up for us, Ren. So they got rid of the Cleveland uh, chief, the, yeah. yeah, the mascot in the in the nineties, and replaced them with. Uh, sorry, Ren, it was Slider. Okay, so they replaced them with Slider in the 90s. So that they obviously knew that that was problematic even back then. Yeah, but it also brings up a lot of controversy because a lot of the Cleveland fans wanted to have Chief Wahoo. Yeah. But, I mean, even the name is is racist. It, yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, I, I look at that and I see that as... I understand why they got rid of that and why they eventually changed their name to the Guardians. Because yeah. it is problematic now. And it's the same thing kind of goes with Aunt Jemima. Yeah, because it's now the uh, Pearl Mill Company or something yeah, like Pearl that. Yeah, Pearl Mill, yeah. And, you know, like uh, it's fine. Like they, they knew that it was problematic in many ways because even the image of Aunt Jemima from, uh, which was basically seemed very based on uh, Hattie McDaniel's yeah. character in Gone with the Wind, a very antebellum, if you will. They changed it. They modernized her so that she didn't look like that, and she looked more like Diane Carroll. Yay! <laughs> but and, uh, but even as such, that wasn't really enough in the idea of cultural misappropriation and also the fact that Aunt Jemima, despite what you may have read, folks, was not a real person. It was an actress and a, a character that the corporation came up with. So just saying. Yeah. And going on the idea of antebellum as well, they've even changed how the colonel looks now. Yeah. Instead of the, the white suit with the bolo, he now wears a red KFC apron. Uh, not always. I did not see always? I did see a commercial where the an actor playing the colonel slid in in the whole white suit. I wonder. It, but that, that becomes very difficult because Harlan Sanders was a real person. That is how he chose to dress. He was not a colonel, <laughs> but that's what he, he went by. And it's really kind of fascinating because that becomes a really tough one because we all do kind of love Colonel Sanders, but we also don't want want it to be triggering. So speaking of Colonel Sanders, a couple years ago on the Hallmark Channel, they made a short film with Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders, Sanders, and it was done in the style of, it was a 15-minute short done in the style of a Hallmark romance film. And it just... Absolutely ridiculous, but it was done as a tongue-in-cheek thing, and it was very much done yeah. as an advertisement. And John Goodman did a spoof of it on Saturday Night Live, I think. I think it was Saturday Night Live. But what 
it was really interesting with Colonel Sanders is because they actually had these commercials where they had actors and famous people dressed up as Colonel Sanders. Reba McIntyre did one. One of my favorite commercials, because at least here in Canada, I'm not, I don't know if it's the same in the United States, but Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC as people mostly know it now, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut yeah. are all part of PepsiCo. And there was this really great commercial where you had, it was a Star Wars tie-in. And you yeah. had you had an actor dressed as Colonel Sanders, and you had the, the Taco Bell dog, and you had the Pepsi girl, and I think she was maybe or Pizza Hut girl, and they're like in the the semblance of the Millennium Falcon, and they're doing this great commercial, and it was I just thought it was wonderful, but I I'm also sensitive like to another person's thought process, especially when it isn't my story to tell. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I I understand why some of these corporate mascots were popular for as long as they were they, why they became iconic but we are at a point in our in our history where we are starting to realize kind of the wrong the wrongs that have happened in our history and trying to rectify that and some sometimes that means getting rid of an iconic character yeah and i and i don't think that they should necessarily be gotten rid of per se but i think that you know i love the fact that they put disclaimers on things right mm -hmm. uh it's really a game that we are playing at my house now is because we're watching some of the old sitcoms from back in the 60s and there's always disclaimers we go oh i wonder what the problem's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> and we, we try to sit there and, and figure out what the problem is and then sometimes we go okay well really that's not that bad and then sometimes we go oh my god how can they even air that basically anytime <laughs> i watch all in the family <laughs> no but all in the family is is a completely different thing but we are off topic with yeah. that one so one thing i kind of want to talk about as well is international mascots yeah what mascots would you have had in scotland like oh, what, okay. would, what would be equivalent to say I don't know, like something like Tony the Tiger or Colonel Sanders or Ronald McDonald or whatever. Well, we had all those. Yeah, but, no, but I mean specific to the British Isles. The one that always pops out to me, and maybe it's because when I was a kid, this thing scared the living crap out of me. But the the Bassett's Licorice All Sorts man. Okay. He, he was in all the advertisements for Bassett's Licorice All Sorts. Right. He was a man that was made out of licorice all sorts. And he scared me so bad. So he didn't really have the same je ne sais quoi as, say, Mr. Peanut. I want you to imagine this advertisement, John. <laughs> You're in a house. All right. And a man, a live man, made of licorice. It's a guy in a suit, but made of licorice comes in and just stares at you. How is that not frightening? Just... Like, he just stares at you like... I don't remember the whole ad. Does he tilt offering... his head like Michael Myers? Does he sit there and, and breathe heavy like Kane Hodder is Jason? Like... Or like how the Burger King would just stare at people. <laughs> but anyway, he, he's he scared me as a kid. I had nightmares about this guy. Okay. I also I also slightly blame Doctor Who, but that's a whole other conversation. I wonder if, if some of the people that are like in charge of these things really think them through. I honestly think some of the people in charge of these things are like, all right, how can we scare the kids today? Because that's that was a lot of the 80s. Um, but anyway, the Bassett's Licorice All Sorts Man absolutely does spring right to mind. Now, I want to I want to pivot to Japan. Okay. Actually, hang on. Before we pivot to Japan, one thing I'm uh one I'm, another one I'm going to say is absolutely an international one, even though he is specific to a specific part of the United States, is Smokey the Bear. 
because everybody knows who Smokey the Bear right. is. Right, right. That is a, a huge thing, even though he's for the U.S. national parks. But because we had American programming up here in Canada, we are all familiar with Smokey the Bear. And even though he's like the national parks in America, he could easily be utilized here in yeah. Canada with our national parks as well. But even as a kid in Scotland, I was aware of who Smokey yeah. the Bear was. Yeah, because he would like murk you if you started a forest fire. So. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be good. Just straight up, he'd take that shovel and just whack you over the head with it. So, pivoting to, to Japan. In Japan, mascots have become a huge part of their culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's called Eurochara. And Eurochara are mascots in Japan that represent certain cities or regions. Typically stylized in chibi or hyper-cute. Like, they look like, anim like baby anime characters. And they're all sorts of different animals and whatnot. They're really cool. Now, there was... Something that happened that kind of brought this whole Eurochar thing to light in North America. So there was one called Shitan. Shitan was a rogue mascot, a unofficial mascot for the city of Suzaki, alongside its official mascot of Shinjo-kun. Now, the host of Last Week Tonight uh, with John Oliver, who of course is John Oliver, got wind of, of Shitan, who he had a rather rude social media presence and he was violent. You want to chime in there, Ren? You're saying its name wrong. How do you spell How do you say it's his name? Cheetan. Cheetan? Cheetan. Okay. So forget the whole Cheetan thing. It's Cheetan. Okay. So he was violent and he was very rude on social media. So John Oliver created his own Eurochara called Chijan. And then that started a rival between John Oliver and Cheetan on social media. <laughs> Just absolutely hilarious stuff. And Chijan is still very active in Japan, in Suzaki. It's really neat stuff. I think it's really kind of cool how the Japanese will take something that definitely started in North America and mold it into their own thing like that. Yeah, and it's really fascinating too because, you know, I have that friend that I talk to quite often in Finland. Yeah. And it's amazing when you start getting into different cultures, too, because even though this character is not a corporate mascot, there is so much product out there and they have appeared in commercials and everything else. And we're talking about the Moomin Troll. The Moomin Troll. Moomin. Moomin is this huge, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but it's these little, they will get insulted if you refer to him as a hippo, but I don't know what else to to refer to the look of Moomin as. And there's all these characters. And it is, they have an amusement park. They have, it's, he's on all kinds of, of products all over the place in commercials. Moomin is the thing for Finland. I love, love him or hate him. Interesting. And it just, it just sparked a thought in my head. Something we didn't actually talk about is a character who starts off as just a character, but transmogrifies and changes into the company's mascot. And the first thing that pops into my head is Super Mario. Oh, yeah. Because Super Mario initially started as Jumpman, and then they made him right. his own games, and then he eventually became the mascot, the face of Nintendo. Yeah, when he was in Donkey Kong, and I remember like Donkey Kong was... I had to go to an arcade to play Donkey yeah. Kong. And that's... I, we didn't know who that was. It was just the little plumber guy, whatever, right? Yeah. And even then, we didn't even know he was a plumber. He just looked like a plumber, and somebody said, no, it's a plumber. So, okay, he's a plumber now. But, yeah, it's it's really interesting, these things, because you, you sort of alluded to something else that we haven't quite talked about yet, and that's when we, we sort of hit on it with Colonel Sanders, but that's when an actual person also becomes the mascot. Dave yeah. Thomas for Wendy's. Absolutely. He named Wendy's after his daughter. You see the logo, and that's that's Wendy. 
And there were commercials that actually had an actress dressed up as that Wendy's look. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, but it didn't really work. And then Dave Thomas started doing something because he was adopted. So he does these things for adoptions. And he started doing these commercials instead of hiring somebody because they were trying to, you know, save money or whatever. But Dave Thomas became so popular as Dave Thomas that he almost became his own mascot in a way, right? And there were all kinds of wonderful commercials with Dave Thomas, like one where he's uh, supposedly biking through France and he's like, hey, bonjour. <laughs> and I have a baguette. I don't know why he was biking through France at the time, but he was so affable and so likable that it made you want it was he even became more popular than Wendy's Where's the Beef Lady. Yeah. I remember all the Dave Thomas asked from when I was a kid, and I remember it It was kind of sad when the news came out that he died. Yeah, and so I, I think it's kind of brilliant in a way that KFC is keeping the image of Colonel Sanders alive, but yeah. I, I wish they could modernize it a little bit more. I don't know how you could modernize Colonel Sanders, but still hit home. You can keep the white seersucker suit, okay? Okay. But, like, let's let's get rid of the little Kentucky bolo thing. Let's put him in a suit. Yeah, that's fair. You that's know? fair. But, you know, like, Nick, there are just so many of these things. We don't even have time to talk about them all. There's, like, the Tidy Bowl Man. There's Mr. Clean. There's, there's even cereal ones that we haven't mentioned, like Diggum for Sugar Smacks, the Sugar Bear. Yeah, Diggum, Like, right. there's just a ton of these around that I, I would, would be interested to know what all of the aliens remember and who their favorite ones are. And the influence that these mascots and characters have had on culture in general, there's cosplayers that dress up as these characters. I know of an artist that takes these characters and turns them into horror characters, which is so cool. <laughs> I've seen some of that. Oh my gosh. But it's yeah, so cool. the, the influence of all of these corporate mascots in pop culture is undeniable. We've just honestly scratched the surface. Any one of these topics could have filled a whole show. Oh yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But that is all the time that we have for this episode of Area 51 and a Half. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Hive, and Clapper, as well as now YouTube at the Area 51H. And of course, you can search for us on Facebook by looking for Area 51 and a Half. And remember, we would love to hear your input about this topic today, about who your favorite corporate mascot is and what they mean to you. And of course... Don't forget to like, subscribe, share us with all your friends and enemies. For Nick and Ren, this is John Allen signing off from Area 51 and a Half. Thank you for joining us on our landing pad. That was a good idea. Yeah.